and a very warm welcome to St. Boxing Day's Racing Only Better. Me, Barry Orr, standing in for a sick you, Cal. Wouldn't say he's hungover, just think he's a little bit poorly. We got a late call. So uh, I'm joined, as usual, by Dan Barber. How are you, Dan? How are things? I'm all right. I'm in Jingle Bell Spirits, as you can see. And I've got a Christmas jumper, just in case you can't see it. As, you as I have it? the hat. Tony's wearing something really festive. Let's see, Tony. Uh... I can smile. I do that once a year at Christmas. <laughs> That's all we can ask for, TC. That's, That's all we can ask for. Happy days. We're it really is. happy with that. Let's kick oh. on, lads. We get straight into the action, will we? The 120 in Kempton on Boxing Day. Uh, at the moment, Botwell Bridge, your favourite at 5-2. Last time winner out in Sandown. Danny Kerwin is your 7-2 second favourite. He's been promising such a lot but this is second run after a wind up and I think Paul Nichols whose uh, comments you can read from five o'clock this evening on betting.befer is quite keen on his chances he's seven to two it's seven to one killer Kane uh, four to one Mr. Coffee six to one Sebastopol we start off with you Dan how are you seeing this race I see it one of two ways the day we were at Sandown now, I don't think it's a strong race it's normally stronger than this I thought Bothwell Bridge was very good in the end he beat a solid rival in Marla's promise he was very strong at the finish wore him down and was going right away at the end. So I do think he's a very, very worthy favourite. So I'd either play the race one of two ways. I think you either back him win only or the rather more out there policy maybe is to back the old rogue Sebastopol each way because he basically was getting his act together for the first time. He would have won a race for the first time in ages. He would have he finished second on seven starts in a row prior to that. But he was about to hand a thorough beating to Rockstar Ronnie. He was a mid-130s horse. He was getting weight, but he had beaten him at levels. He was that convincing. And the only concern is the fact he's had a fall. But he is so reliable. I know he doesn't always go through with his effort. But in a race where Danny Kerwin, if they ride him aggressively, or the likes of Killer Kane press on, you might get a proper gallop. In that case, it could just fall into his lap. So one of two ways for me, pretty cautious. Maybe back... Maybe back one win only and back the other each way, which would be very, very, very windy. But uh, they're the only two <laughs> angles I could find into the race. Unlike you, Windy Barber. Yeah. <laughs> TC, Sebastopol from one rogue to another. Yeah. Um, like I thought the pace in here was, was, I couldn't see hardly any pace. I thought Buffalo Bridge, question mark. And then I'm struggling to see any real four goers in here. So hopefully it's not a, a messy race and maybe Nico will, will take the initiative on Buffalo Bridge. I do, I take Dan's point. I do think the handicapper could have hit him a little bit harder than the five pound rice. They always thought, you know, it's the archetypal cliche chaser in waiting this horse. Um, yeah, and it was very impressive. And I think by the sounds of it, the, the stable fancy that more, uh, more over Mr. Coffee. Uh, the one I put up, I haven't got many things right in the last couple of weeks, but um, I keep on getting the price right, prices right. And if you get the prices right, hopefully the results will come. And I put up Danny Kerwin each way at eights with a sports book earlier in the week uh, in the anticipation that the 15 runners would, would cut up and they duly have. I mean, when you are betting anti-post, I know this is the day of the race podcast, when just look at the double entries. I mean, this is always going to massively cut up. Uh, so Danny Kerwin's shortened uh, as plenty of horses come out in here to eight to seven to two. But I do think he's probably outside of Buffalo Bridge, the most likely winner. So I wouldn't say around about fours on the exchange. I think I think he's probably still a viable proposition. I mean, he is, you know, he's a bit of an in-out performer. I'm not even sure if he's bled in the past, but um, that Shelton run was a really good return, um, even more so because he jumped out to his right. So I think the return to a right-handed trap will suit him. Uh, all his free regulation wins 
uh, have come this way around. So I think that will suit him. Uh, the Cheltenham form, he's running off the same mark here. Um, the first has come out and won since, albeit in a match. The, the fourth has come out and won, beat the third. And the fifth has come out and landed a, a gamble in the cross-country race, one of those Mickey Mouse affairs there. So uh, I think the form stacks up really well. I think what we should say is there's plenty of rain forecast, up to 18 mil on one forecast that I use. So good, good to soft in places at the moment. I anticipate it being on probably the drier side of soft. So I think it'll be officially soft on the day, but maybe more good to soft. So I don't think that'd be a problem. He's got plenty of form on good and soft ground, Danny Kerwin. He's one from one over points and very much like Bothwell Bridge, Paul Nichols has said he's been killing time with this horse um, over hurdles. So on the back of a really good run last time at Cheltenham off the same mark with conditions to suit, um, uh, I, I, I'm quite keen on Danny Kerwin for all he has got a little bit of a patchy profile, but I don't, outside of Bothwell Bridge, none of these scare me. Yeah, he never seemed to uh, fulfill his early potential at Danny Kerwin after he won a bumper in this course as well. They no. expected great things from But uh, Interestingly, Paul Nichols on his blog, um, basically what you've said there, Tony, he's kept him for this race since he finished second in Cheltenham last day, and he wants to be going this way around as well. So he thinks yeah. everything's in the horse's yeah. favour. So It's interesting. interesting. Paul also had, uh, and it was also owned by Johnny Delay, they also had Solo in here. Uh, but I think Solo was always going to go Nichols in his pot hunting. With the way with lad only a five runner race at the five day stage, he was always going to target solo in here. Uh, uh, sorry, uh, solo to there and uh, Danny Cohen to here. So good to see it's a long term plan for Paul and hopefully it will pay off. So, yeah, uh, I've got the price. I just need the result now. Okay, so obviously Danny Kerwin for TC and for yeah. uh, Windy Arbor, it's Bothwell Bridge and Sebastopol each way. Uh, the dead eight there as well, just at the moment. Under the second race in Kempton, we're going to talk about at 155, it's the Cotto Star. Uh, novice chase and uh, two crackers in here's four runners but obviously uh, uh, brave man's game currently your favorite on the Betfair sportsbook at five to six a high senior is 11 to 10 16 t clipper and katili bridge is in there at 33 to one just a four go to post but the two market principles are really fascinating guys aren't they um obviously brave man's game he's done everything asked from this season he was really impressive in haydock when he beat itchy feet in the uh, double daily rewards Betfair graduation chase but a senior was equally impressive, obviously, in the Johnny Frankham. So uh, from a betting proposition, betting point of view, TC, not really warm for you, but I'm sure you've got plenty to say about this race. I might, actually. If I can get a bit of five to four, a senior, I might play here. And you might well get that on the exchange. I don't know if you remember, when we when we um, reviewed that Haydock win uh, for Brave Man's Game um, uh, a few weeks back, I thought... I didn't know how much they had left in the tank on Brave Man's game there. I wasn't totally sold that he was finishing full of running. So I think the step up to three miles on what could be softening, what, what we expect to be softening ground, could just test his stamina. So Fawley has been very impressive, and obviously everyone's raving rightly about his jumping. I'm not sure, I'm not sold on his stamina. Um, you, and also you've got to remember, the, the only time he's run over, you know, he's won a point, but that's you know that's irrelevant in the grand scheme of things when it comes to stamina the only time he's run over three miles um over hurdles he got absolutely stuffed by a horse in your uh in the sefton at atri so it, it killed tealy bridge goes forward as well uh brave man's games may well go from the front but he may well take a lead no horse in your you'd thought that would would uh would force it as well so i think you're going to get a, a fair old pace on here and i think that'll bring uh, the stamina to play for a hoist and yours. So I, if I was pricing this up as a bookie, and obviously you just have to be mindful of the fact, you know, 
what trade you're going to attract. In an ideal world, in a hundred percent book, I would have a, a hoist in your favourite over Brave Man's Game. I think, um, especially with the ground softening up, I'm very surprised they're actually coming here, Lucy and the Russell, with with that horse. I thought they might go punt, pot hunting at, at Lingfield uh, next month, but maybe they'll do they'll do both. But for me, hoist, a hoist in your probably should be the slight favourite on the stamina ground. So it's very possible that I might be having a bet there if I can get five to four bigger on the exchange on the day. All right, well, he's 11 to 10 at the moment, so really you'd be expecting five to four yeah. at an absolute minimum on the exchange. Dan, how are you seeing this? Totally the same. I mean, what makes us think, or what makes the market think that Brave Man's Game is a better horse anyway? I mean, no. a high senior's met him once. It's a horse in a high senior who, by running a bumper where I'm sure he was just gaining experience, I mean, he's running one proper race and obliterated them. That was that. 66 to 1 defeat of Brave Man's game in the Sefton. And then he's absolutely smashed horses. I mean, for me, I'm not sure the horse in training could beat this horse three miles on bad ground. The one niggle, and it's something that people have mentioned, and I think it's wise to mention, is the fact he's going right handed and he's going at a track which perhaps won't exactly play to his strengths because he's a big, strong, galloping sort. But I just think he's probably the better horse. Mm -hmm. um, and certainly the better chase. I mean, Brayman's game jumps really well, but for me, he's very quick through the air. And if this does become a, a slog, I know it's, the reputation is that Kempton's very sharp and you want, want to be nippy. When it gets bad and wet there, you've seen King George fields and Felton fields as it was, strung out like washing. And this could be a similar, similar example. If they turn into the straight together, as long as he's jumping holds up, I don't see really many circumstances where High Senor just doesn't find more than Brayman's game. Three yeah. miles on testing ground. I think he's a really good horse. I, I listened to Lucky's podcast in the week, and Lucinda Russell was on there. I just thought it was very refreshing what she said. He's like Tom Stanley said, "Well, you, you're not concerned about the track, etc." She basically said, "Well, it's a slight niggle, but if you want to turn a horse into a proper horse, they're going to have to encounter things like this, and they actually want to educate him." And it was quite revealing that Carlisle first time over fences, they were happy to gun him from the front mm. against experienced chasers. He's clearly the best horse they've trained. I don't think they even they're even shy about that. And were you, at, the better horse were, you at, were you at Carlo when he made his chasing debut? Yeah, I, to be honest, to this day I don't know what would have happened. I think on he was beaten, value, he'd probably have just been swamped first time out. But, was but beaten, knowing yeah. what he finds, it's not yeah. out of the question that he could have got back into it. But what we saw of him at, at Newbury was that of a horse completely out of the top draw. Whether Mister Incredible ran his race or not, he won by thirty-one lengths. Denman-esque, dare you say, on um, yeah. whilst he's got in nickels. No, in, in the cold light of day, just look at it. I mean, he's a better horse over hurdles. He's done nothing to dissuade you that that shouldn't be the case over fences as well. And this trip is the trip thing is massive, isn't it? Particularly for groundwork. Yeah. Oh, but 100. It's like I think people just get carried away with you know everyone's just like oh he's such a good jumper. You know you've got there's more to it than that. And three miles and softening ground around Kempton. Um, okay. So you're both uh, you're both in agreement that a hoist in your over brave man's game is the way to go yeah. in the forerunner uh, in that forerunner race. On to the third race we're going to look at. It's the Christmas or just the five go to post there. Epitant, your favorite, currently at eight to eleven. Turned over last year in this 
at one to five by the ill-fated Silver Streak TC and got plenty of yeah. decent opposition this time around. Obviously, dead heated but not so sleepy in the Betfair fighting fifth up in Newcastle. You have Tritonic in there who just uh, last Saturday won the Betfair Exchange Trophy and also won the Adonis here over course and distance and Soaring Glory in there as well at seven to one. So yeah. uh, eight to 11, would you, you're back or a layer at that price, TC? Uh, I wouldn't do either, but I'd definitely be backing not so sleepy at seven to two. I should have got paid in full last time, actually. The more I look at that photo finish, the more <laughs> I've been robbed. Bloody stewarding the photo finish in this country. All oh, no, those disposable cameras you used to get out of work to do, I think. Yeah, oh, <laughs> like I said, I, you know, when it went past the post, I thought, I've done me money. Then I looked at the, the slogan, I thought, I've definitely done me money. And then I looked at the photo and said, I want all of it. Not half of it, but yeah. Um, I don't understand the betting here. Uh, again, it's very similar to a hoist in your... And Brave Man's game. You've got a horse, you've got a horse who's dead heated last time. Um, I think Jonathan Burke should have gone harder from the front and not so sleepy because I can see this horse ending up over three miles over hurdles. I think he should have gone harder at Newcastle. I think he will go harder today. I think he's guaranteed an easy lead. Um, the softening ground is very much in his favour. A horse has won over heavy ground. Uh, you know, they dead heated last time, and I think mine was a better horse, albeit very narrowly. And I've got seven to, I'm getting seven to two as opposed to eight to 11 um, in what I think could well be a match, uh, given the paucity of the two mile division in this country. Now, like I said, I, I, I'm pricing this up and I, I, I'm going, I'm going five to four, two to one, something like that. Um, I really am. So I'm, I'm definitely playing at seven to two. Like I said, I, I, I want Jonathan Burt to be a bit more aggressive around here. We saw how that Oh, that uh, came up trumps last year when mm. Silver Street went from the front against Epiton, got her at it. I'm not convinced. Everyone said, oh, it's a great stepping stone after a disappointing season for Epiton. But yeah, you'd want her to be winning that race, wouldn't you, if, if you're back in her 8 to 11 here. And uh, for all her best formers come on soft ground, they're making noises about saying, oh, she wants better ground, et cetera, et cetera. No, for me, not so sleepy. He's just a banger on price of 72. I like Tritonic, probably not as much as Dan after last weekend. <laughs> but it just goes to show you, you know, he's third favourite in here. This is an after four, a week after our Ascot. No, glory of fortune. No chance. What's the other one? I can't even Soaring glory, probably. Soaring glory. Glory. Oh, I like the horse, but we saw, in, we saw in the Jerry Fielden. Yeah. Is this a small field, his kind of race? I mean, I'm a massive yeah. fan of the horse, but no, for me, not so sleepy. Makes all, hopefully. Oh, okay, TC, thanks for that. Dan, what way are you looking at it? The favourite opposable, or is it a ducky out race? It's a pretty compelling case that Tony makes. Initially, I thought, well, I don't really have a strong enough. I think she should be favourite. Obviously, we judged at SP, so I don't mm-hmm. know what prices there will be on the off. I, I, maybe she won't be 8 to 11, because... There is a scenario you can definitely see where not so sleepy goes clear, gets the ride he wants, really, which is Tony says, be aggressive mm. and tries to run the finish out of her. Apparently, the same time, thought, well, if he can't be in Newcastle on, on fairly testing ground and a stiff finish, is he going to have the gears? But conditions could be pretty bad by that stage. I mean, I'm, I'm not strong, and it's certainly not as strong as Tony, but I can certainly say the price as we speak, why you'd much prefer to be not so sleepy than, than Epitome. But it's just one last thing. I mean, this is a horse that finished seventh off a mark of 100 in the Chester Cup, not so sleepy. He really does want a real aggressive ride over two miles. But given the status hurdle vision, if that was my horse, I might even be looking to, no matter what happens here, I might be looking to step him up in trip and try and three miles with him, given that given that that staying division. So, yeah, um, I want to see yeah, a more Huey, aggressive Huey ride. Can, 
Huey can lower the colours of Epitz aren't here. Nicky's champion heard last. Then he can lower the colours of champ who stays at the loss. He'll like that. <laughs> Go on, Huey. One, one for the poor man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, lads. Driving on the fourth and final race we're going to talk about in Kempton on Boxing Day is the feature event at 305, the King George. What a cracking renewal it is this year as well. Nine currently going to post at the moment. 11 to four favourite. Jewel King George winner, Clan de Zobo. You've got 130 to Gold Cup winner Manila Indo. Outside of that, 92 Chantry House, 11 to 2 Asterion for launch. He was trading a 5 to 2 on when it came down 3 out, unseated rider into John Durkin. That's sure to have his supporters. But I think that there's two Irish runners in this uh, this year, lads, and this year's renewal. It really kind of increases the interest for all involved. And you throwed on in there last year's winner at 9 to 2 as well. What a story it would be if Bryony and Frodon could uh, repeat last year's heroic. So, Dan, kicking off with you here, how are you seeing the King George? Yeah, as you say, Barry, between the between them, we've got the last three winners of this race, Clan twice and, and Frodon, uh, most recently, when he got a soft lead and took advantage of it. I've gone around in circles with this, I really have, but I'm sort of coming back to the opinion that we're not necessarily seeing the wood for the trees and the best day in chaser in the field is Manila Rindo. He's won a Gold Cup. Yes, that again, much like we discussed with... Ahoy, senor, do you bring the tracking as a potential concern? But clearly, judged on the market and the way the race went at Down Royal, that wasn't him at concert pitch. Maybe we won't see him at concert pitch until he gets the, the Gold Cup again in March. But I expect him to be a lot better for that run. I expect the conditions to play to his strengths if the rain comes because he's a thorough stayer. I think that's one thing you can level at Clanders Oboe. Whilst he's a dual winner of this, he doesn't want bottomless ground. I don't think he's a thorough stayer. I don't think he ever has been. Um, I don't see Frodon repeating. I thought the stars perfectly aligned and he basically had his cup final at Down Royal, it felt to me, where he got the better of Manila Rindo. It will be a small stakes view. But yeah, I've gone from thinking, oh, well, Chantry House, the unexposed one at the trip, he's either one to side with, to thinking none of these could win a Gold Cup and Manila Rindo's done it. And for that reason, on the back of one blip, it's too soon to be suggesting he's not a premier staying chaser. And... That's the that's the view I've come down on that Manila Rindo is worth backing win only. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you, Dan. And is it even a blip? Like it's his first run. He wasn't going to be concert pitch in Down Royal ever going to be. And the same cannot be said of Frodon. Like you say, that was definitely the uh, the the final, the cup final this year for Frodon. TC, I know you did an anti-post piece on this during the week. Just tell us about that and tell us yeah, that you like um, maybe you've seen the final decks. Before I come on to I'll do a, a very quick synopsis of the runners. What do you make of the first time cheat pieces for Manila Rindo? That's the sort of horse that could benefit him from me. He's got a bit of a lazy streak, takes a bit of pushing and shoving. He's not the powerful traveller he used to be. Remember him winning that Albert Bartlett where he led on the bridle? I mean, mm. I don't mind cheap pieces on a staying chaser who isn't a keen horse, who who responds well. It doesn't bother me that much. I don't know when he, you might have the stats about the, the trainer with, with no, the no, first I time head I haven't, I haven't done on that. But, but for me, if anything, it's a statement of intent to me. They're happy to ex. They're happy to exhaust a potential angle of improvement for him in the King George rather yeah. than saving it for a goal. Um, yeah, uh, Manila and best form claimed, but you are backing him on on one that one Cheltenham Gold Cup in isolation. Uh, Clander Zobo, uh, I did a piece earlier in the week, and I just touched upon the fact that everyone's thinking it's a positive he comes here first time up. His record, his record in his last five reappearances is naught from five. His record. I think from 50 days upwards uh, of a break is naught from three. So I know Nichols would have been gunning him at home, but his reappearance record wouldn't give you any confidence in that. 
you'd be relying on... for Betfair chases as well in the past. Yeah, uh, like I said, he, he's not being prepared for Mickey Mouse races first mm. time up as well. The grade ones, two hundred grand, you know, grade ones. So um, that would that would concern me if I'm if I'm backing him at three seventy two on the exchange. Uh, Frodon, I think he's going to get an easy lead. Nichols would have been absolutely delighted that Dashiell Drassel wasn't was the one not declared. I can't see anything other than her and that getting an uncontested lead unless they put the cheap pieces on cloth cap like to actually go from the front with Manella window. Um, now, I, the two that I focused on, and it's not oh, going for the outsiders for the sake of it, early in the week, uh, I had a little bit on Mr. Fisher at 40s. I, made, uh, I mentioned him and weighed in. Uh, that, that, that was 25 by the time I went to do the column. So I switched allegiance to a Tornado Flower at uh, 33s. Now, I think this is really interesting horse. Um, clearly got a lot to find, but it gives he's got one or two pieces of form it will give him it claims. Obviously, the second to Min, a length second on heavy ground in, in last year's John Durkin. And I just look back at all his runs and I just think this horse has got three miler written all over him. Now he ran over three miles in the Savills last year and he wasn't given a ride at all there. It was the weird, it was just pottering around. And the same happened in the John Durkin on his reappearance fifth, not given a hard time at all. Go back and have a look at how we finished off that Ryanair last year from the next parish. Um, I think this horse is, is, I wouldn't say guaranteed improver, a very likely improver at three miles. He's got, you know, he's, he's got a, a stone to find, but um, at 33 zero in the week, and I think you still get, I've still get, you will get 25s on the day and, and bigger win only on the exchange. I think I'm, I'm more than happy with my position on Tornado Flyer. So. You put him each way, Tone? Give him yeah, the... yeah, I put him up at 33s each way. And I will, yeah. like I said, you can back him each way, but if you want to go in at a bigger price, you'll get a bigger win only price yeah, yeah. on the exchange. So, um, yeah, I mean, I I would have no qualms about taking my chances. Yeah, I, I think you can pick holes in 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 all of the ones at the top of the market, perhaps with the exception of Frodon, or I think he's pretty solid. Um, I'm just half a... thinking, me. I can see it like four, four o'clock, half three on Fox today. And I'm thinking, geez, the Gold Cup winner's just gone off second favourite to win that race. What, what was I thinking? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> That's the way I'm feeling. Well, I, th- I think the three Irish owners definitely add an, add an extra bit of spice to it this year. Um, but for UTC, then it's each way Tornado Flyer. And yep. for you, Dan Manila in the win only, win only at yeah. around the seven to two mark. Uh, we switch over to Weatherby for the role of Merrick, one of those chases that always seems to get lost on Boxing Day, but it's always a cracking race. Decent renewal this year, 7-2 Silver Hallmark, Cloudy Glen 9-2 with Empire Steel, Good Boy Bobby 13-2, 15-2 Windsor Avenue, and it's 8-1 Bar. Dan, this is right up your alley. What were you thinking here? Uh, fairly open race, except there, there is a potential standout at the bottom, but he's priced accordingly. DBC, he went like mm. the best horse at Sandown on his only start for the stable, got an, an overly aggressive ride. The first and third from that race, um, yeah. <laughs> first and third from that race came out and won next time. And for his troubles, he got a five-pound rise, but he's still well in his old form. If I'm looking for negatives, and the price is obviously a potential one, another wind up, uh, sorry, a wind up since last scene. Why is that? been felt necessary he's rising 11 he's never stood a great deal of racing so maybe you think getting him first time out is the time to catch him but there's another horse in the race i really like and it's empire steel generally he's got so much scope this horse like a physical monster who made the haydock fences look small in that race won by strictly a dancer obviously strictly a dancer bomb next time but he was having his I think he was running for about the seventh weekend out of nine or something. So he'd been kept very busy. Empire Steel was coming back for more at the end. He just looks a strong galloper. 
any worsening of the ground, I'm sure, will be absolutely in his favour. I don't think he can have it soft enough, this horse. Absolutely think the stable are brilliant at getting improvement out of horses. And he's had fewer chances than the rest of them. You look at horses like Lord of Manil, Top Bill Ben, that are likely to set the race up. Good boy, Bobby. He's in great nick. But I think what they might do is serve to make a properly run race that tests stamina. And DBC will be in that firing line as well. And I think it could set up perfectly for Empire Steel. I thought he was the bet. So Empire Steel for sending Thompson and Ryan Mania for Dan Barber. TC, how are you viewing the role of Merck? Uh, I'm going to keep an eye on the weather because it's currently soft there. Earlier in the week, it looked like it was going to be heavy, borderline unraceable, but the forecast has got a little bit better. So, but I think you work on the basis of heavy ground here, which is probably not ideal for the horse that Dan mentioned first up, DBC. But I think he's got loads going for him, hasn't he? Um, he has got plenty of form on soft ground. I'm not too sure. I might hold back to the day to see exactly how bad the ground is. But as Dan said, I mean, he was he was clearly the best horse in that Sandown race. I mean, he was sent for home far too early. Um, up five pounds, but the winner came out. Fortitude came out and won off a six pound high mark at uh, Perth. So I think, as it stands, I think he's still very fairly handicapped. Tim Vaughan fought the world of this horse. Um, obviously, Dan Skelton's only had one run with him. Give him the wind up, he'll be ready first time up here. Uh, I can see this. He's got of all the horses in the field, perhaps with the exception of the favorite silver horn mark, I think there's more upside in his handicap mark for all his advancing years. Uh, with, with the new trainer. So 13 to 2, 7 to 1, I'm probably going to hold fire till I see just how bad this ground is on boxing days. But if the ground's still kind of like soft and not too bad, I think DBC has has got uh, got the potential. I, I think they'll ride him a lot more conservatively. If you haven't looked for this race, there's five or six I can see front, go, front runners uh, or four goers. Uh, so yeah, DBC for me. But again, if the ground's bad, I'll probably rein back. But uh, on, on, the basis of soft, on the basis of soft ground, DBC at sevens, I think it he's does a, sort I think of it's a fair like price. They could, they could have run him in softer races, couldn't they? And this kept him back for a pretty valuable 40 grand race. I mean, yeah, they obviously know they're not going to get many chances with him. And it's I, disappointing, isn't it? They they they've only got 10 runners for that prize. But yeah, there was a lot more at five those days, wasn't there? But yeah. Okay. Moving on then, we'll look at a couple of races in Leopardstown, the two feature races on St. Stephen's Day up in the Dublin track. We'll start off with the um, three-year-old hurl, Phil Dorr, who's actually favourite for the Triumph Hurl as well at four to one at the moment. He's your favourite at four to six. Lunar Power in there again, reopposing at three to one, 11 to two, Britska, 16 Calvados, and it's 20 bar. It's hard to see past the top two at the head of the market here. They very rarely get a result in this race. And Phil Dorr's uh, answered every question so far. Any reason why he shouldn't continue to do so, TC, at four to six? Um, no, very uh, impressive. Um, but yeah, four to six is his price against this field, isn't it? The one I like is, um, I was being honest, I was hoping for a little bit bigger than 11 to two. And I think you will get that on the exchange, given the given the nature and the shape of the race. I quite like Gordon Ellick's other horse, Britska. Now, Gordon was, this was horses really impressive at Fairy House. You know, crept through the race, came through horses going to the last and really power clear under minimal kind of like uh, driving there. And I think obviously, that form as it stands is pretty good. I think a decent time figure. Uh, this horse has clearly blossomed for hurdles. It was only a, a low one, a low seventies horse at best on the flat. But um, I was I was quite taken by that. Now Gordon was talking in terms of the Fred Winter, but he must have had a change of heart at home because he's coming here. And if he runs well against these Grade One horses, then 
he's clearly not going to do the, the handicap mark any good when he, for, for the, sorry, the Boodles, not the Fred Winter, isn't it? So is it still the Boodles or what? I don't know. Yeah. yeah anyway, but um, yeah, I, I, I might, I, I probably am given, I was quite impressed by uh, Britsko at Ferry House. So I'm going to chuck a few quid in if I can get around about sevens or eight to one win only on the exchange on the day. So Britsko for me to, for Elliot, but not for the one that people are expecting. Yeah, win only as it's not a decent each way shape to the race. Dan, did you get a look at this? Yeah, no, again, I don't, I don't think you, you can have strong views on these sorts of races. The, the, the form's there for all to see, particularly the first two in the market are reopposing. Three pounds better off, potentially another soft lead. Could Luna power reverse form? He's threes against four to four to five, four to six. I mean, I don't think he's beyond the realms. Obviously, Gordon won it with Zana here last year, and Fielder does feel like a very similar horse, but not sure he's beaten any stars. I'm not sure this is a race full of stars. This, this looks a below power renewal to me. And, Thought there was a potential that Luna Power, who briefly looked like he got away from Field Door, could do the same, and he's three pounds better off at the weight. So with the price as they stand, I'd be small win only on Luna Power. I, look, I did look at the pace angle. I think six feet apart might go for. I've got a question mark there, but apparently Field Door. I mean, obviously he's been visually very impressive, but I don't think he's been uh, he's been impressing too much the Premier Clock Watchers. But uh, you know, obviously. You know. <laughs> But, you know, good horses can run bad times, et cetera, et cetera, mm. can't they? So the other Elliot one for you, TC, Brixis. Yeah. And yeah, um, obviously you're looking to, uh, for Lunar Power to reverse Ferry House placings with the favourite. The second of the two big races in Leopardstown on St. Stephen's Day we're going to talk about is the Racing Post Novices Chase and Fernley Hollow in here at 8 to 11. Looked like he was a real, real decent racehorse when winning the champion bumper. He went on and beat the mighty Bob Ollinger and a maiden hurling Garen. And then we didn't see him again till he came back out for first time over fences in Punchestown when he jumped really adequately and he showed the engine is still there, which was good to see with these horses coming back after a long layoff, but he's priced accordingly at eight to 11. The filly is an interesting one, River Detail. She's getting 13 pounds off him. She's 13 to eight and it's eight to one bar. Course Sublime, who Fernie Hollow beat in Punchestown. It's the eight to one chance. So really, really interesting race. And Shaney, the mayor getting the 13 pounds. What way do you see this one, TC? Um, I think this is a weird race. And I think obviously Fernie Hollow's the, the favourite for the Arkle after appreciate it's uh, being kept hurling now after a setback. I think this is could be a weird race whereby Fernie Hollow can get beat, but in in, in enhance his uh, Arkle credentials because Giving giving thirteen pounds to this mare is a is a pretty tall order. Um, she's been doing it really impressively, but obviously she's been impressing on the clock as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'd I'd be leaning again. I mean, I know Fernie Hollow is a very you know pretty much a very public horse. I hate that phrase, but I, I've just used it. Uh, given that the horses he's beat, but yeah, I think he's got a, he's, I think he's got a proper job on here giving thirteen pounds to that uh, that mare. Um, and like I said, I. I think he could get beat a couple of length and enhance his Cheltenham claims and and shorten up from eleven to four three to one. Is he is he on the exchange for the article? So yeah, I'd I'd, I'd be going towards the uh, the fairer sex here. Dan, what way are you looking at this? Same. I sort of feel you're compelled to go that way, really, at the prices they are now. Thirteen to eight about a filly that's taken extremely well to fences, gets the weight and sex allowances and. Frankly, has looked a bit of a natural. What, what's the aggregate winning margins? It's something like 40 lengths of her three chases so far. She's taken mm. to it in freakishly good fashion. The fact that Gordon's running a four-year-old filly over fences and campaigned her that way in itself is pretty significant, isn't it? I mean, he, 
she must she must have scored electrically at home, and they must have always felt this was her game. And if you're looking for a hole in Fernie Hollow, we know that some of these absences with Mullin horses aren't a bad Mullin horses aren't a bad thing. They can come back looking different propositions. But we've seen him only twice since he won at the Cheltenham Festival in in March, winning the bumper in March 2020. So he's clearly not been the easiest to keep sound. If he gives her the way, you just take it on the chin and say, fair mm. play, he's a top-notch novice. But it will be some performance to give her 13. It really will. Have, yeah. have you got any time for adjusted ratings for this in front yeah, of you? Yeah, she's Dan, nine or... pound clear. Obviously, Fernie's not... Nine pound chance. clear, yeah. Yeah, obviously, Fernie's not had the chance mm. to run a big figure yet. He just come back once. But he beat a, he beat a good horse in Curse of Leem, who, who was already up and running for the campaign. But there is nine pounds between them. Obviously, a level weight race, that would make Fernie Hollow four pounds clear. But on these terms, I mean, it, I think as well... If she gets to the front and gets into that rhythm, it's just going to put pressure on Fernie Hollow. And I don't know, it's, a, it's an interesting race. In, in running will be interesting. I mean, that 13 to 8 could be odds on after two or three fences. Yeah, like I said, the, the, the in-running angles do dictate the pre-race betting patterns uh, quite often. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Okay, guys, that's brilliant. I think that we'll just wrap it up there. Just a couple of things to chat about before we sign off for the Christmas. Obviously, weighed in back on Monday, the 3rd of January, where uh, Kevin Blake will be back with you, Cal, hopefully in the hot seat. Uh, Kevin has been substituted off to Paddy Powers today, so that's why he's not on this podcast. If you want to listen to him, he's over on From the Horse's Mouth. I wouldn't suggest you because they're going to dress him up silly and do a stupid thing doing that Paddy Power crew. So leave him off this weekend. Um, and also, we've got time for the naps, lads. So, Dan, what are, where are you thinking for your nap? You're currently plus 83, which is not a bad return, Dan. So, pretty thin, isn't it? Thin Better than back. mine. What were you looking for? The... Starting to look at the back. I've got to say, I caught myself in a mirror the other day. It was a pretty scary result. Your um, Boxing Day nap. I'm going a high senor. It's very boring that, but I think he should be favourite to beat Brabant's game. Consolidating that big lead. Yeah, exactly. I've got the forward defensive out. Windy by name, windy by nature. Go on, TC. What are you up for? Um, I like my anti-post bets, but not so sleepy at 72. It's just a bang wrong price. Epicent may beat her, but she is no, uh, he is no way a 72 poke in that race. Yeah, not so yeah. sleepy. Yeah, I, I would say I was going. I'm going to smash him into favoritism, but you got to bet responsibly, haven't you? So yeah. certainly do, and I'm glad <laughs> that you finished on that. Now, just to wish all our listeners a very, very happy Christmas and a very profitable Christmas period. If you're having a bet, but as TC says, bet responsibly. Watch out for weighed in on Monday the third, and peace to everybody. That was the 2021 that was. Not quite. We've still got a race and only better on the 31st, Friday the 31st of Jan and we'll, or 31st of December. We'll be back on the 3rd of Jan with our latest weighed in, as I said. Till then, gamble responsibly and see you the other side.